Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your go-to resource for all things pipeline and revenue production in the tech sales world. Technology marketing, sales development, sales, and revenue operations have combined to create the go-to market engine fueling the success of SaaS startups and established companies alike. Each week, the Sales Development Podcast dives deeply into the strategies, tactics, people, processes, and technology that fuels the revenue machine. The Sales Development Podcast is brought to you by Tenbound. Get more free resources, insights, and intelligence today at tenbound.com. And be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. All right. We are live, sir, with the B2B Weekly Pipeline Show. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. I have to say, actually, my first LinkedIn Live here. Oh, man. I'm surprised. I mean, you came from a video background, and this is the first time, huh? I know. Yeah. It was such a big thing. And then it wasn't it's like polls, you know, it was super big and nice the occasional ones here and there. And I guess I just never really hopped on one. So it's good to be here. Yeah. It's kind of like clubhouse. Like all of a sudden everybody was on clubhouse <laughs> and it's like, Hey, what happened to clubhouse? So yeah, here we are. And I'm excited to dive in, man. I saw a post that you put up a couple of days ago and you were talking about your experience as a B2B buyer and you know, some mm-hmm. hypothetical situations, just the way that things have changed. And I thought it'd be interesting. You know, one of the things you put is, let me paint you a picture. You're a director of demand gen. You just started a new role and you were hired for your experience implementing an ABM strategy with a strong tech stack, right? So you just mm-hmm. started the job. Now you go in and you start to put that together. Tell me about your experience. Yeah. And honestly, it's one that I would say is pretty well known across the industry if you've bought technology before, right? Which is, you're going to come into a new role, you know what tools you're comfortable with, you know, there's a strategy you got to execute on. And tools, you know, at the end of the day, they're there to help make our jobs easier. And so what you're going to do is you probably had experience and you're going to go and try and buy all these tools. Companies are going to make it as difficult as they possibly can, right? So normally, and even as an AE, if you've been an AE before, and you're in an evaluation with multiple tools being bought, you know, you probably recognize this as well, but you know, it's just hard to do discovery. Think about it from the perspective of the buyer, right? They've gone and they've done a disco call with three separate SDRs in that one week. Then it takes another week to schedule another call with AEs. So now you're two weeks into this process. And again, those AEs are all going to run separate discovery calls, probably ask similar questions to what the SDRs asked earlier. And now you're on week two and you really haven't gained any more information in terms of you know, what the product does, how it integrates with other tools. And so really, so far in this two-week process, the tech vendors have gained tons of information and you've just gotten no value as a buyer. In fact, you've probably spent tons of hours just being on these calls. And so really, that's part of what breaks this whole process is, you know, it's bad for the sellers because, you know, buyers get burnt out of these repetitive discovery calls. So by the end of it, you know, they just don't want to give as much discovery information as they likely should be to help the AE, you know, give them the right solution. But at the same time, you know, as a buyer, you got to empathize with that buyer, right? They're probably just so burnt out of that process. So really, you know, at the end of this, you go and you get demos and they're going to have three separate demos with three different teams. You got to schedule that with your internal teams. Again, like now we're on week three, we're almost a month into this role for this new manager or this new director. And they haven't even finished the evaluation of these technologies because they're just taking so long. And not only that, in these demos, None of these vendors, even though they're well-known, talk to each other. So, you know, it's hard to really get a good picture as to how these tools will work together. Ultimately, if you talk to different buyers, probably going to agree. I'd rather have a tech stack that works better together 
than three separate tools that don't work well together, but each do their own thing amazingly. Because at the end of the day, you got to put them together and that's really going to be the sum of its parts, right? So it's much worse. That's really tough to work with. So ultimately what you've done is you've spent a whole month, you've given really little value and you haven't really shown them the best way possible. And so that's kind of what in partnerships we're trying to fix here. We're trying to empathize with the buyer, create better evaluations because as vendors, we can be working together to help support them. We don't have to be working alone. And the buyer definitely wants us to be doing that as well. So that's kind of what we've been exploring, kind of what the sentiment of the post is, is just really empathizing with buyers and really how partnerships these days are trying to change that experience. Yeah, because if you look at it, if you're an experienced director of demand gen and you have a tech stack in your head of what has worked well in the past, yeah. why do you have to go through all these barriers to get that plugged in at your new job? Uh, forecasting, David, forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. okay. it's, it's, it's not helping you, right? It's like, it's not helping you. It's, and really, we see this, this could potentially change down the line quite significantly in terms of how they buy it. There's all kinds of sophisticated ways that companies can buy and use budget, things like Google marketplaces, all the way to solutions that allow you to buy seat by seat and use credit-based systems on marketplaces to exchange those credits and purchase what you need rather than having this bottleneck of a sales process. That's interesting. So how do you look at it as a partnership professional, because that was one of the things you mentioned in your post is, you know, you're Mm -hmm. working together with probably two or three different trusted resources Mm -hmm. to put your tech stack together, but you sort of sit in the middle of this connection. Exactly. So that's kind of the role of partnerships in the century, right? Is how do we change this experience? Now, if I am evaluating two different solutions, right? One has three different pieces of technology in it. The other has three different pieces of technology in it. If a tech stack forces you to go through this horrible buying process and doesn't give you all the information you need, it's hard to make a decision, a concrete decision by the end of it. Now in partnerships, our goal is to work with other companies that get bought at the same time as ours, right? So at the time working for a gifting platform integrates really well with an ABM platform, which also works really well with a marketing automation platform. So if you're planning on changing all three of those things, if those three vendors work together, it's all in our interest to show the customer exactly how our tools work well together. So that when they pick their tech stack between these three and those three, these three solutions have worked together to show exactly how it's done, but not only how they integrate, how strategies are accomplished when you put these three pieces of technology together versus these other three are just doing individual one-off sales cycles and really just forcing the customer to figure it out on their own and not giving them as much information as they possibly could have. And what the end result of this type of partnership is, first of all, customers are going to be way more comfortable with going with your solution when you've worked together as vendors to show them how it all works because they just have the level of comfort. They've seen it work real time. You've showed them by actually making that integration possible. So you're going to get a higher close rate from that type of deal cycle. But more importantly, they're going to feel the pressure to buy you based off of your compatibility with the tech stack, not just based off of individual one-off features, right? If you're a sales acceleration platform, maybe you're really good at one thing and you're not so good at the other. So if you can you know, couple yourself with a tech stack, you're really going to be able to show the strength of working together with other tools rather than just one single feature you have. Maybe you have a better calendar integration or maybe you have a better you know, specific call dialing piece, right? Like that stuff becomes noise. It's really about how solutions work together. So you can do that. You can build essentially a better deal cycle that's going to give you better close rates. And you can also work together to negotiate contracts so that all three are bought together at the same time, securing joint wins. So it really ensures that when you three work together, all three of you are going to be bought and that's going to be really good for net retention in the long run as well because you're going to have integrations that are necessary for adoption. 
So there's a lot of benefits to working together and building a partnership and working together with technology platforms like I bought in conjunction to yours. So I look at it, an example, like with the director of demand gen and say, for example, they now have to manage the SDR team, but there's no sales engagement platform right now. Yeah. And so they go, okay, I've used X platform in the past. I know that it's really good and it probably can integrate with what I have. What would be the next step then? Like they would reach out to that company that they're familiar with. And then Mm -hmm. there would be also other like, you know, partnerships available. Would they all do a call at the same time in your mind or is it separate and then an introduction? Yeah. So it really depends on how ahead and how well built your partnership process is. But normally when we see something like that happen and we notice, okay, you know, in my last world, maybe it was like sales loft. Okay. They're evaluating sales loft. They're also evaluating us. So that's when we have a really good close partnership. We'll reach out to each other and say, hey, look, they're both looking at our solutions. We've each done our discovery call. Should we reach out together to the contact and would we be comfortable reaching out to the contact together and say, hey, let's plan your demo together and save you rather than you know doing three separate demos. Let's do our demos together and show them exactly the strategy they've identified to each and every single one of us, how that all works together by showing them a concrete integration and show them real time how it works. So that's kind of the way the process works internally is it requires a lot of communication, constantly looking at what opportunities are currently open on each side of the partners, you know, companies, and then just, you know, communicating well with each other to make sure that we get ahead of those opportunities so we can make that ask and make sure that the customer has that option. Being an SDR, sales rep, and manager is tough, and it's getting tougher. Creating an outbound sales pipeline is hard and getting harder every day as well. You're not given any training, coaching, or support. You're pretty much on your own to figure it out. Should you cold call, send emails, or post on social media? Your prospects are buried in messages, and now it seems harder to stand out and get a response. You try to educate yourself on how to do it, but the online landscape is a confusing swirl of contradictory messages, empty motivational speeches, and outdated sales advice. Time is running out, and you're spinning your wheels. Now what? You now have a resource to really help. You now have 10Bound Plus. 10Bound Plus is your guide to building your outbound sales skills in your own time and in your own way. You join a community of like-minded people who are striving to achieve success in your same position. You get access to online, self-paced learning courses, discounts to 10Bound events, and much more. Join today at 10boundplus.com. That's 10boundplus.com. Got it. Okay. And then on the flip side, with like a platform like Salesforce, for example, like Salesforce mm-hmm. has all the app store, you know, offerings mm-hmm. within the platform yeah. itself. So how does that work? So if somebody has Salesforce and they go, okay, I need this extra mm-hmm. add-on to be able to do my job, shouldn't they just go to the app store and download something or do they have to go to a whole other platform? Yeah, I'd say like, you know, having worked on Salesforce partnerships, fixing strategies can be different. Sometimes you can just add a tool right from their marketplace. I think that's the most convenient way to do it, right? Wouldn't it be just nice or a director of demand gen? You're like, I need these three tools. I need 10 seats each. Click, 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 add all of them. But the reality is, is obviously seat-based pricing and enterprise level contracts and security review, stuff like that really puts a hindrance behind that, which also brings me to kind of the next piece here, which is they likely want to do all those things together. So if you want to change this go-to-market motion and you want to make it easier for them to just click what they want and purchase it, that means as tech vendors, we're going to have to work better together 
to make sure that we can piggyback off of each other's security terms and contracts. And suppose you've already bought Salesforce. Why can't you just add, you know, SalesLoft or Vidyard as an add-on to your contract, right? Why do you have to go and buy a whole separate new contract? Obviously, Salesforce is not the best example because they're a little bit more stringent with those types of things. But, you know, ideally, that's what that would look like is you just add it to your existing contract and, you know, all the security terms and details are going to, you know, work well with what you've already signed and already reviewed. But instead, what you have to do is go and evaluate all those separately and go through a security review for all three of those separately, which takes a long time. Yep. And on the vendor side, in a perfect world, you would be able to see the opportunities that your partner is working on. And I think that this exists already, but can you actually mm-hmm. reach out to the partner company and say, hey, I noticed that you're working on this deal. Can we somehow support you or get involved? Yeah, there's actually lots of technology out there that do that. There's companies like Crossbeam or Reveal that allow companies to share some levels of data, obviously in a secure way, uh, meeting a lot of the privacy requirements that are necessary. So you do see those opportunities come real time. So as a partner manager, I'd get a notification in my email and said, hey, you know, this company is evaluating this piece of technology. They're a customer of yours. Maybe you should work together, right? You can help that partner. Or actually the partner would be more proactive and say, hey, look, we just got an opportunity. I noticed that you're a customer. Can you help us? We want to make sure that, you know, it helps add to their tech stack rather than us taking away. I think that's a big piece of it as well is that data sharing and communication around opportunities. As a partnership professional, if you got a notification like that, I mean, just in general, like I know each one is probably totally different, but in general, what would be your next step? Because it seems like from the customer's perspective, if a bunch of people just started showing up from all these different companies and stuff, it might get kind of weird. So it seems like it has to be, you know, handled really well. It does. There has to be definitely a bit of tact to it because you don't want to freak out customers. (laughs) You don't want to weird them out either. And at the same time, if you are selling a solution, you want to have the best chance of winning the deal. Sometimes you don't want to bring in partners because that might slow you down. They might take up a certain share of the budget. So ultimately, you know, the way that works is having an internal conversation first between the sellers and the partner managers at these companies to determine what the best path forward is. Maybe it's just support that we offer, you know, after the deal is done, maybe we work on it. One partner closes it, another one closes it. But ultimately, you know, that's really going to be coming down to a situational piece there. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes can be like almost like a referral situation, right? If the customer is saying, okay, I just implemented this sales engagement platform, but we need some kind of video solution as well. Can you recommend anything? And then they might ask the sales engagement platform and then they would have an exclusive. I'm just, I don't know. Is that how it works? Like there would be one go-to partner that they would use for that particular thing. Absolutely. And that tends to be sometimes their customers, right? So if you're using a video tool and that's one you've used as a CSM and you like the tool, somebody asks you what video tool works well with your platform, you're likely going to recommend that tool, right? Because you're comfortable with it, you know, it integrates well, and you want to make your customer more successful. So you will refer them over to a partner. In fact, that happens really quite naturally. Lots of people, if you put a form on your account that says, where did you hear about us? Oftentimes before people, you know, build partner programs or invest in partner programs, they'll find that it's other tech companies that are referring all these companies to them because they've done a good job on the product side, building a strong integration. They just haven't done the work of building the relationships and the network to really make them comfortable giving as many referrals as they can really extrapolate from there. But oftentimes it just happens naturally because 
we like tools, we're comfortable with them, right? Like, and you want to recommend them. Like, you know, you use StreamYard, right? Somebody asks you, what do you like to use for your LinkedIn lives? You're probably going to recommend it. So, you know, how come that vendor isn't working with you to make sure that everybody wins? Because ultimately, if they provide a good service to somebody you referred over, they give you some monetary incentive for it, then they've built a good referral channel. And that's the best way to drive revenue, more so than say paid ads, that's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, these channels can be really good from a referral perspective. If a company wants to focus more on partnerships, is there like a certain size or is there a certain amount of revenue that they should have before they hire someone like you, you know, who's 100% focused on partnerships? I'd say Crossbeam releases this report every year. It recently came out and it talks about some of the companies and the sizes in which they actually invest in partner programs. One thing we've seen consistently over the last three years is the size of company has gotten smaller and smaller. First, be companies over 100 used to invest in partner programs. Now companies look to make a partnership hire as one of their first hires. And the reason for this is because we've moved in terms of how we think about technology, right? Before it was, let me be SAP and be the conglomerate that builds every single solution out there for every single one of my customers. And the world has completely changed. Customers want flexibility. They'd like to purchase tools from multiple pieces of technology, stitch them together and make them work. So these days, you know, integrations are mandatory if we're going to build a SaaS platform that's going to work in MarTech. They're almost necessary. So building that first partnership hire is going to help you get a lot of revenue growth early on and make sure that you're building the right integrations with the right amount of depth. You see this often where companies don't have a partnership hire. Product teams will build integrations that just don't make any sense at all. So the real big time investment, in my opinion, is on the product side, because that's a really expensive resource. It takes time. And if you don't do it well, you're not going to create the stickiness to retain your customers. So it's a much better investment to invest in a partnership manager that understands the value proposition, can work with the partners, and ensure that when you do invest that product time, you're spending it in the best place possible. So let's say if you're going to make a hire, I'd say if you're thinking about integrations, think about a partner manager early on, because it's going to let you get that lever of growth in terms of revenue, but also make sure that you're building the right product direction and spending your product time wisely. Yeah. And so we're talking mainly about the software industry, right? And because that's what you and I are most familiar with. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure that there's a total different partner ecosystems in different industries, but this is mainly software, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. So there's tons of interesting partner ecosystems, you know, and when you talk to the folks at Crossbeam about who's using their technology, traditionally it's tech SaaS companies. But these days you can do all kinds of interesting things. Think about it. If you have a car detailing business, right, and you're detailing cars on the side, right, the likelihood that they're working with a garage that they constantly go to, probably quite common, right? You probably have a mechanic that you go to that you trust to bring your car to. So being able to exchange business and make sure you're giving referrals with trusted vendors, even in an industry like automotive, works extremely well for driving revenue. Because the other way to drive revenue and growth is spending money on Google ads, spending money on, you know, content and brand awareness. So really, this is the cheapest, we call lowest cost of acquisition type of channel is the referral and partner and community networks. Big time. Yeah. I mean, just so side note, our dishwasher was leaking a little <laughs> bit and it started to go into the floor and the floor yeah. needed to be replaced, right? So guess where I'm going with this? I said to the dishwasher guy, do you know anybody who fixes floors and is familiar with yeah. this problem? And sure enough, yeah. the next day somebody called. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the same thing is happening at companies like Salesforce where CSMs are being asked, hey, like, I need to figure out a better marketing automation platform or I need to figure out a better sales acceleration tool. Who do you like? Who do you use? So it's really interesting to see that 
that's existed for a long time in every single industry, this network of referrals. So companies can really capitalize on it and invest in it. That's amazing. Okay, so let me just take you all the way back to say you're that new director of demand gen and you just landed yeah. a company. You don't want to talk to God love them, but you know, a bunch of SDRs and be all overqualified and have this drag out. What's a better way to do that? If you know pretty much, I need these three tools, I want them to start, you know, X and I'm good to go. Like let's cut to the chase, right? Yeah. I'd say for the most part, actually, if you're evaluating software and you're buying a tech stack brand new, just go to their website, see if they have partners and have integration partners. And then when you're talking to your AE and you're talking to the first vendor, you know, make sure you let them know, hey, look, I'd like to see how all three of you work together. Can you make that happen? Chances are they most likely can. They just aren't today. So if that's the way you'd like to prefer to evaluate your technology, I'd say do it. It's going to save you a ton of time. You're going to only have to work through one deal cycle, really. And then you're going to get a full picture as to how the technologies work together. In fact, you might even see something which is really unique, which is oftentimes these companies that do partner together, likely the tech stack you're asking for, is ones that those companies already use internally. So not only can they make that evaluation easier for you, they can show you how they executed on their own end. So it can also help impact how you're looking at your strategy so that you can take away pieces together. You know, all these tech companies, they know their software best. So if they figured out a way to make it work super well, maybe there's something I can learn from how they're doing it internally that I can take away too. So it's really going to help decrease your evaluation time, but also at the same time, let you extract some strategy on how these tech vendors that are, you know, best known for their own softwares and use their own softwares, how they can teach you so that you can implement it yourself. That's so interesting because a couple of things I thought about is there's in the security space and the small business space, there's the managed service provider where yeah. like you don't even want to deal with any of the particular vendors. It's just you hire the managed service provider. They deal with all the vendors and they just put like a suite together that you use. And yeah. You know, and then you also have like the HubSpot model in our world where they're just like, we're going to make everything and you never have to do, you never have to go anywhere else because we got you covered, you know, Yeah. and different things like that. But it seems like, at least in our world, most people, they want to sort of architect their own tech stack and make it, you know, the Mm -hmm. things that they've used in the past and have worked really, really well. But yeah, there's a lot of different directions. Yeah, certainly. And even in this space too, in MarTech, there's like companies like Scaled or RevShop that essentially like, they will do that. If you go to them, they're an agency, you know, they'll help you implement a full tech stack around sales acceleration, for example. So there's tons of agencies that can do this. I think my call for companies is as a tech company, you should be doing this yourself too, right? To some degree, right? It's because at the end of the day, the agency is making their money off of services, right? Implementation. And that's oftentimes things we already include in our contracts as tech companies. So we can be working closer together. And if an agency is needed for services that, you know, the company can't do themselves around enablement or implementation or integrations into Salesforce, for example, then those agencies can be brought in. Oftentimes we do bring them in, but tech companies, we're not doing anything to help make the evaluation easier. So that's kind of what my call is here. It's like, geez, we should be working together. If anything, selfishly, just to share notes on what they said in the discovery call so that we have even more information to do our demos well. So lots of interesting ways to take that model. Oh, man. Great opportunity. So you're right here on LinkedIn. Can everybody find you here and connect with you? Because I'm sure that there's a lot of people who would want to work with you on this. Yeah, absolutely. I've written a couple blogs, done a couple conference speeches around this, but I think it's such an interesting space and it's developing quite heavily. I think it's going to be the future in the next five years. So 
more than happy to share ideas and help point direction. I know building partnerships at a company can be quite difficult, especially if you're the first partnership person. I've done it before. So if you need any help, I'm always around. Yep. And we'll throw the link to your LinkedIn in the recording notes. And then I do remember you made a speech at the Crossbeam conference, right? Yeah. Like a few months ago? Yeah, I spoke at Supernode last year, talking yeah. a little bit more about some of the actual tactics that go into like making this strategy a reality. And so I did spend some time talking about some of those, which you can find on their YouTube channel, on their blog as well. I've written about it too. Nice. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. This is really interesting and look forward to working with you more on it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, David. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.